0: Girlfriends, episode number 67. Celebrate 50 days of Easter. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about celebrating Easter for all 50 days. We have some more feedback on NFP, and a listener asks how to handle an unsupportive mother-in-law. I can't wait for us to get started. Let's go. Hello. Happy Easter. So glad you're here, and I'm so glad it's Easter. Not technically, for me right now. I'm pre-recording this because I'm going to be traveling right after Easter, so I know it'll be hard for me to manage an episode between family celebrations and my work schedule. So I'm pre-recording this and scandalously saying those words, happy Easter ahead of time. But it's all legit for you. I hope you're enjoying the season. I hope you had a wonderful celebration on Easter Sunday and are going to continue, that's what we're talking about this week, continuing to celebrate Easter, which is more than just one day as well. Walmart would have us all believe you know they've moved on to the fourth of july by now i'm pretty sure anyway um, excited for easter excited for all of the celebrations to come 50 full days of it i am a little sad this year that not my entire family for the first time ever is going to be together for celebrating easter and i don't mean my extended family i mean my family my kids my Ambrose, uh, who's away at school, is down in Florida, as I've shared with you on the podcast before. And so he's not going to be home. He'll be home in a month. It really wouldn't make sense to fly him home for a few days. I totally accept that. But there's still some part of me that aches at the idea of him not being here. And it's one of those many letting goes that we kind of learn to do as our kids get older. Um, For those of you with just little children, and it's unthinkable to you right now. (laughs) I know, I get it. It was to me too. And um, you'll be ready for it. Not maybe not entirely (laughs) embracing it and loving every second of it. But it will make more sense when you get there. I remember having really little kids and just seeing what big kids were doing and nothing bad. It was, you know, normal stuff of life growing up, learning to drive, having boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, buying cars, going to school, and it just seems so unreal to me to even picture my little guys doing that, and now here I am, My little guys are bigger guys, and my heart feels like it's in places far away sometimes, you know, 1,500 miles away (laughs) that some part of me is attached to that. And it makes it a little bit bittersweet at, you know, family times, birthdays, and times when you remember how easily you all were together, and now that's not how it is. It's sort of all that embracing of the stage of life you're in that I like to talk about so much. Um, So I'm doing a little bit of that this season and to add to my mom tears this time of year's reflecting on that. The, um, last night, I was going through my jewelry box. I was looking for some different items to um, wear for Easter and to share with the girls. And I happened upon this little note. It was like a folded up piece of paper. Um, those of you who follow me on different social media might have seen it. I posted some pictures of it. But it was a folded up little piece of paper. And it said on the outside in this really childish handwriting, to mama from Ambrose. So this was obviously an old thing that I had stuck in there a long time ago and so I I opened up the paper unfolded it and inside it just said sorry love you oh my gosh I almost died like (laughs) I just cried of course and I don't even remember what that incident was or whatever but it you know it touched my heart back when he gave me that note possibly after an incident of some kind (laughs) who knows but just you know um remembering him as a little guy and oh jeez you know why why did i save that piece of paper <laughs> so that i could torture myself with it this season anyway it was very sweet and actually it was encouraging to me um as much as i was crying my mom tears over it it was encouraging to me to kind of remember the way he was when he was little and the kinds of things we did and the kinds of things that were important and you know kind of The stuff that I'm doing with my younger kids now, kind of training them up in that very similar way, trying to teach them, you know, making amends after you've done something wrong, those, those very basic Things of living and especially uh, family living, living together as a family, as a community, that um, we worked hard at with our older kids, and we're continuing to work hard with our kids now. But it was kind of nice for me to look back and see that earlier stage of my son, and and I'm you know so proud of who he is now that and um, the life that he's he's living now, and the friends he has, and the kind of work he's doing at school, and um, really happy with that. So it was kind of encouraging to me at the same time to kind of see like a long-term effect of the kind of work that we put in you know not that it's all perfect but it was a little bit encouraging in that way too so that was nice um how much easter candy have you eaten in the past 24 hours oh my gosh i put together the kids baskets already and um had some those robin's eggs that's my big weakness i know better I know better than to have one robin's egg because I'm going to like try to eat the whole bag, but I went ahead and did it anyway as I was making these baskets and ended up with a sugar rush, stomach ache, headache afterwards. Not the best, Um, but you probably have a candy weakness. Um, Maybe it's those peanut butter eggs. I don't know. I, I put tons of candy in my kids' baskets. You know, I used to try to put more like items that they'll appreciate non-edible things so they're not just getting a ton of junk but that actually got to be really expensive and so the cheap side of me is like well they like candy anyway and it's just for a season you know just for um A a day or two of indulging in this sugary goodness. So I know if you're one of those moms who's putting together one of those perfect little Easter baskets with handmade items and craft things. And I mean, I have a little bit of that in there, um, but I've gotten... Uh, a lot more forgiving on having candy items in there um, than I was when I was a younger mom, just out of practical necessity. I think um, that it's super nice. I mean, gosh, if I was making an Easter basket for like one child, and maybe I'll do this when I have grandchildren, it would be totally fun to just put a bunch of those like different Easter spring themed kinds of fun little gifts in there, just like stocking stuffers. But times eight kids and I did make eight Easter baskets I mailed Ambrose his (laughs) and my older kids who are in college still appreciate um a sugar rush every now and then and they'll, they'll probably share with their younger kids too um But, you know, trying to do that times eight is is pretty pricey and time consuming. So anyway, I've got their baskets done up ahead of time and hidden, don't tell the kids, hidden under a sheet in my room. So (laughs) they hopefully won't find those and have any of their fantasies of the Easter Bunny being real squashed. Not that we do that. (laughs) Anyway, um, so I mentioned I'm going to be traveling this coming week, Easter week. I'm going to be at the National Catholic Educators Association Conference that's happening in St. Louis. I'm traveling there for today's Catholic Teacher Magazine, which is one of the magazines um, that in my full-time work as a publisher that I produce um, with my company. After that, on Saturday, April 22nd, I'm going to be in Laredo, Texas, bringing the women there, the um, You're Worth It retreat that I've put together based on themes in my book, You're Worth It, basically introducing women to the concept of Jesus's unique love for women. I love doing this retreat, and I'm thrilled to be going to Texas to do it with the wonderful women that I'm looking forward to meeting there. So that's on April 22nd. Um, If you're interested in bringing the You're Worth It retreat to your parish, your home, your diocese, your women's group. Um, Whatever you've got, I'm talking to some people right now about putting it together for a group of catechists at their parish. Lots of different ways that uh, this retreat can work for the particular needs of your community. Uh, You can contact me through my website, daniellebean.com. You can find out more information and fill out a little form to request more information about all the details for bringing the retreat to your community at daniellebean.com forward slash retreat. Next in... Texas again. I'm going back to Texas May 6th on Saturday. I'm going to Houston. I'm going to be speaking at the Together in Holiness conference that's happening there, which really is just a very much a family-based kind of conference for um, couples in particular. Dr. Ray Garendi is going to be speaking there too. I'm really looking forward to spending a day getting to know some of the folks there in Houston. If you're in the area at all, I'd love to meet you. I'll put a link in the show notes to the conference registration so you can get all the, all the information you need about Together in Holiness, which is happening in Houston, Texas on Saturday, May 6th. Also, if you're interested in having your group just come and have me speak, not necessarily putting on the retreat like I'll be doing at Together in Holiness, you can find information about that at my website as well at danielbean.com forward slash speaking. Okay, moving on to this week's topic. I thought I'd talk a little bit about the 50 days of Easter and how we can go about celebrating the 50 days of Easter. Because did you know Easter lasts 50 days? You wouldn't know it uh, by our secular culture because, as with Christmas, they kind of have that one day that we're super focused on, buy all the stuff for that one day, and then moving on to the next holiday. So, um, but our our church teaches us otherwise. Easter lasts for 50 days. We celebrate the joys and graces of Easter for 50 whole days because it is the best story ever, with the best happy ending ever, where Jesus rises again from the dead and that we're called to rise with him. Such a beautiful story, such a beautiful call, such a beautiful vocation we all have inside of the Easter story. So, We take a full 50 days as Catholics to really just drink in that joy, and I know uh, it's hard I know it's hard, and I'm not telling you you have to take on a bunch of new projects and, you know, do some big elaborate thing. You, you just survived 40 days of Lent, and that felt long enough. But um, so I'm really, I want to encourage you to do things that actually will feel good and will be joyful during the 50 days of Easter and remind yourself and your family and, um, you know, maybe your friends and other families that you know that Easter lasts for 50 days, and we get to we get to celebrate it. We get to. That's what's, that's what's so great. Our church is a church made up of fasting and feasting and um, our church knows that both of those things are good for us as human beings. We long for that kind of cycle in our lives and so now is a time of feasting, a time of celebrating, a time of joy and so I want to encourage you to make the most of it. I know for sure I've had times where I make it to Pentecost and I'm like, it's still Easter? Like I haven't thought about that in weeks, you know, (laughs) moved on and yeah, that's kind of natural. Um, But maybe by being a little bit deliberate about it, being a little bit thoughtful about how we go about celebrating or making a plan right now at the start of Easter to make it last for 50 days, to recognize it for a full 50 days, we can have a little more success in actually accomplishing that. So the first thing I want to encourage you to do is to think about what you did this Lent that you could possibly carry forward in some way, shape, or form. Maybe not still fasting, um, but maybe there's some fruit that came from your fasting that you really want to hold on to. I know a lot of people, even if they haven't, you know, lived out their their Lenten penances perfectly, find that they've formed new habits, they've formed new routines, they've succeeded at least in that much, um, you know, making new healthier habits, whether it's with what you're eating or what kind of media you're consuming or how you're spending your time, Um think of what some of those things that are, could be the fruits of your Lent that you might want to carry forward in some capacity. It doesn't have to be exactly, like say you were off of Facebook completely during Lent. I'm not saying you have to cut Facebook out of your life permanently, but maybe going into the 50 days of Easter, you can um, look for a way to, you know, in a positive way, replace what used to be Facebook time before Lent and with positive things, with something, you know, uniquely positive. Or maybe if you've made a new commitment to your prayer time during the Lenten season this year, that's something that you don't necessarily want to just throw out the window because now the calendar says it's Easter. You know, maybe you were getting up early um, to to do a particular um, kind of prayer or getting to extra daily masses. Don't let go of that. Don't let go of that progress. Um, You don't necessarily have to feel the obligation to fulfill it perfectly, um, but hold on to it in some way. If you've developed a new prayer practice, a new spiritual practice that's benefiting you, don't stop just because it's Easter. Make a new commitment to it for the 50 days of Easter, at least in some capacity. Um, Another way that we can celebrate the 50 days of Easter, this is something I'm thinking about doing myself, is to set a 50-day goal you know, at the start of Lent, we set a 40-day goal and it feels like forever during every day of of Lent. But if you choose something that's more positive, um, something that feels less penitential, something that feels more like joy, like something you enjoy, whether it's, um, you know, deciding you're going to take a walk with your kids or um, make time for um, doing family activities together or visiting relatives or whatever it is that, you know, that part of it should feel happy and joyful and not like a major penance to you. But maybe you'll set a 50-day goal of, um, I'm going to do this thing, whether it's, okay, I'm going to visit with friends or invite people over. This is a big one that a lot of us just put off because our house isn't perfect yet. In fact, I'm planning to do a whole show about hospitality because this is such an interesting topic to me and something that I think a lot of people really struggle with. Um, But maybe you're going to say, during the Easter season, these 50 days, I'm going to um, extend five different invitations to people, whether it be inviting families over uh, for, for dinner or inviting a friend over for coffee or um, your child's friend for a play date, things that, you know... a little bit above and beyond, but that's actually a very nice, joyful, celebratory thing to do that maybe is going to push you a little bit outside your comfort zone, maybe setting a goal along those lines or setting a goal of spending a set amount of time outdoors every day. The weather's turning beautiful in most places. You have more opportunities to do that kind of thing. It will just feel good, you know, but I, I think a lot of times we think in terms of the 40 days of Lent, we think in terms of 30 days for other goals, health goals or whatnot, try to accomplish something in 30 days or work related goals, but Easter gives us 50 days, and I think it's kind of a nice new number to work with with regard to a goal and not necessarily reaching a certain place by the end of 50 days. I mean, that's fine if you're motivated that way, but I like to think more along the terms of I'd like to do more of this fun thing that I don't often force myself to do because you know, let's be honest, a lot of the fun things that we do, whether it's planning a trip with your kids or visiting friends or whatever, it takes effort and sometimes we don't push past that initial effort that it takes to do the stuff. So Easter is an opportunity to do that. Maybe set a number of times, whether it's five times or um, four times or 10 times, that during these 50 days of Easter, you're going to do whatever it is that your goal is. All right. Along those lines, I also want to encourage you to start a new tradition for the Sundays of Easter. You know, something... um, that we don't often think about enough, I think, is the fact that every Sunday is like a mini Easter. It's a little celebration. It's a little remembrance of the fact that Jesus died for our sins on the cross and that he rose again and that we are called to live with him forever in joy in heaven because of what he did for us. That it's a beautiful message. It's a beautiful story and we we remind ourselves of it every Sunday when we go to Mass. Um, but maybe we're not thinking about it exactly in those terms or talking with our kids about it exactly in those terms. So Easter season is a great opportunity to do that. Really set those Sundays apart. I, You know, there's a whole commandment that tells us to set Sundays apart, to keep holy the Sabbath, and that means different things for different people. But do you do it? I mean, I think I, a lot of times, fall into the habit of thinking of Sunday as just another day where I have time off, you know where the kids aren't in school, and I'm not working, my husband's not working, so that's when we can do all of the errands or that's when we can schedule you know all of all of the stuff that we don't have time for in the middle of the week, whether it's um housework or going shopping or whatever it is. Um, not always the best plan for setting apart the Sabbath as a holy day, you know um how about starting where, where wherever you are if you don't currently have like a special dinner? And and by that I don't mean you have to spend hours slaving in the kit- kitchen, but make it different in some way. Whether you you know put out a tablecloth or cook a roast or make just plain and force everybody sitting down to eat dinner at the table with real plates and silverware you know start where you are but um something as simple as that setting aside uh time for a sunday lunch or brunch or um getting donuts after mass or going on a family hike i have a friend who does that every sunday with her family she happens to live in a warmer climate than i do so it makes sense for her year round but something like that and um I find that even older kids come to appreciate having that kind of tradition and something that they know will be a part of Sunday. And it really does... Even very simple things can help to set the day apart as a day that's set aside for God, set aside for us together as a family to worship God together, that the the Mass really is that kind of source and summit of our daily living. And Sundays are a beautiful reminder of that. So start a new tradition for Sundays. Think about what you might like that to be, what your family might appreciate, and commit to doing it, at least for all of the Sundays during the Easter season. And then finally, my final tip about celebrating all 50 days of Easter is to spread out the fun. <laughs> this is funny. I like this phrase because it's it's one that we use in our family sometimes when um, we, we kind of say it when we're rolling our eyes about the ways sometimes birthdays around here get celebrated over the course of several days. <laughs> At least it used to happen a lot in the past because life was so busy and crazy and I was exhausted and I, I wanted to get, you know, do a lot of things for whatever person's birthday it was and it just was so hard to fit it all in on one day. And so we were always talking about, oh, we're spreading out the fun, you know, that we're going to have a friend over on this day. We're going to do cake and ice cream on this day. Grandpa's coming over on this day. We're going to open presents on this day. We're going to go to dinner on this day, you know, Um, and it, it would turn into like a week and a half of stuff. And by then it was the next kid's birthday. So kind of exhausting way of spreading out the fun. I don't recommend you do that for your Easter celebrations, but think about ways that you can do different kinds of Easter things. A lot of times I think there's a lot of pressure to do all of the Easter crafts and activities on Easter Sunday or right around it. But we've got 50 days. Let's cut ourselves a little slack here. If you didn't color eggs on Easter Sunday that's fine you've got 50 days in which to do it um so many different ways of coloring eggs we're we're kind of low-key around here we use the the paws fluorescent <laughs> kits and sometimes I'll get a little bit of a fancier kit but um doesn't have to be a big deal doesn't have to be over the top oh yeah there was one year where I decorated eggs and I was I just you know sometimes we get a little crazy don't we I mean, I got a little crazy, and I wanted to do all-natural egg dyes, so I researched online, and you get the turmeric, and um, what are the other things? Oh, using, like, boiling onion leaves or cabbage leaves for the purples, and, you know, seeing it in the Martha Stewart magazine, it looked beautiful, these beautiful natural colors on the eggs, and so I spent, I don't know how much time and energy creating these magical natural dyes that year, but... Nobody liked the eggs. (laughs) They were all too light. They weren't dramatic enough. They had all these natural hues and it was pretty, but wasn't what my family was looking for. Anyway, you can make it as fancy or as complicated as you like. Just a word of caution. Maybe the Martha Stewart natural egg dyes that are going to take a lot of your time and energy will not be appreciated by younger kids (laughs) or even your husband, for that matter, who, you know, wants a dramatic egg dyeing result. Anyway, if you didn't color the eggs, you've got 50 days to do it. Or any of the other crafts, maybe look up some of those crafts that caught your eye if you're a crafty mama, or if you're not and you're terrified of them, go to Pinterest and pick out what looks like doable crafts for you and commit to doing like one a week during the Easter season, sort of as a way of reminding yourself. And I don't just mean for people with younger kids, you know, Um, there are crafts you can do yourself and that older kids can do or that you might even do with um, some older relatives in your family that they might enjoy. Just something that's Easter related. I I am not a crafty person, but I've done some of these with some fun results. Um, and and yeah, mixed bag. But and then sometimes there's recipes I really like to bake. So that would be more my angle. But maybe you didn't make the cute little Easter cupcakes or the little treats or whatever. You've got 50 days to do it in. You know, commit to doing like one a week and just kind of enjoy it. Um, also, just Oh, a way to kind of celebrate the liturgical season is to look ahead at what what saints' f- feast days fall during the Easter season maybe look up some of them maybe celebrate those feast days that's kind of an easy way or or pick one or two that you like or um and learn about them um and celebrate them during the Easter season and then finally I saw this awesome idea to have a Pentecost bonfire of course fire at Pentecost. It's a great symbol of the Holy Spirit and it's how the the Holy Spirit manifested himself um, at Pentecost. So Pentecost is the great ending of the Easter season. So is there a way you can have a fire in your yard? I mean, people love this. Like my kids, we do a couple of times a year, we'll do a big bonfire because we've got a little bit of land here and we're able to do that. And sometimes Dan will have scrap wood he wants to get rid of. Also at our Oktoberfest every year, we have a huge bonfire that actually is so big it makes me nervous sometimes but the men focus sure me it's all under control um and we also have a little fire pit which you know we get a seasonal permit for and um even you know middle middle kids not little not big but the middle kids are able to kind of start a fire out there and make some s'mores and just hang out on summer evenings but this time of year we haven't really done that yet so it's kind of a novel idea and a, a fun idea to do a fire to celebrate Pentecost and maybe um you find some easy foods that you can cook like we've done hot dogs around the fire of course um, but there's all these different like camp recipes using like bread dough sometimes um we even have used a grate on the fire before we've cooked corn, like boiling it in a big pot on the fire um, or putting a, a grill down and cooking burgers or steaks on there. It's kind of a fun way to celebrate Pentecost. I think using a fire and fire just naturally gathers people around and makes it feel like a celebration. So um, that's something that you might consider as well. All right. So those are my tips for celebrating all 50 days of Easter. first, Think about something you did this Lent to kind of take a next step in or to hold on to a little bit of take a little bit further during the Easter season. Number two, set a 50 day goal of some kind. Number three, start a new tradition for your Sundays, at least during the Sundays of Easter. And number four, spread out that Easter fun. Walmart's wrong that it's one day. <laughs> I was in Walmart the other day um, when I was getting some things for the Easter baskets, and I was really overwhelmed. And, you know, I've been to Walmart many times. I was just overwhelmed by the amount of stuff. Um, So... I'm not saying buy all the stuff, but um, there's stuff enough to last us for all 50 days. If you have some ideas for ways to spread out the fun and continue celebrating all 50 days of Easter this season, you can share them with me. I'd love to share them with some of our listeners here. I'm sure you've got creative things that you're doing, or maybe you just want to share with me some of the traditions in your home, in your family this Easter season. I'd love to hear more about them. You can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com. You can leave me a voice. Message at daniellebean.com. Click the little tab on the right hand side that says leave voicemail or connect with me on Voxer or just simply record an mp3, a voice recording on your phone and you can just email it to me. I'd love to add your voice to a future episode of Girlfriends.
1: Hey, Danielle, this is Kristen Fontana, and I was just calling about the NFP podcast that you put out and wanted to say thank you so much for putting it out and for being so real and honest in your description of it and your experience. Thank you for sharing from your heart and expressing how it really is in real life, um, because I definitely experienced what you were saying when I was learning NFP um, that people were just saying how amazing it was and how great it was and so when I got married and discovered how hard it was uh, that was just shocking and um, it was hard for us and hard for us to figure it out while, um, while being newly married and everything and we ended up having four kids in five years, so that was a bit of a surprise. And um, but, like you said, totally in God's plan, and very grateful that He had that plan for us. And. Um, But I just encourage everyone, like you said, to find the model that works for them. And I wanted to toss out a couple of resources that I've discovered. Um, One thing that you mentioned is using the fertility monitor. And um, there's one model through the Marquette University where they do a chart with the fertility monitor, which I used for a time and found it to be pretty, pretty good. Um, Just wanted to throw that out there for people. And um, I also wanted to share that we are currently using the Creighton method. And I have really appreciated that. Um, Don't get me wrong, it is hard. And um, there are plenty of days when I really don't like uh, charting and it's hard, but I will share that my husband is now charting for me. Sometimes at the end of the day, I'll tell him my signs and he will chart for me. And that actually has helped me a little bit. It was something my sister-in-law suggested and I was really grateful for that tip. So, um, maybe couples could try that. And, um, but I also just wanted to say that the Creighton model is a, a full body model. And I really appreciate that about it because if a woman is struggling with something with her health, whether it be hormones or um, infertility, maybe that um, this model really looks at your whole self. And if you find a Creighton doctor, they can help you by looking at your chart and finding out what's going on with you. So I really appreciate that about it and just would encourage women to look into it and if they're struggling with anything, but I know that um, not it's not for everyone. So uh, the last resource I wanted to tell you about was a book by Simca Fisher called The Center's Guide to NFP, and I would just encourage women to look into it if they're struggling with NFP, as um, many of us do, and it has a good part about discussion starters for couples that uh, my husband and I found helpful. So. Thank you so much, Danielle. God bless you and thank you for all you do.
0: Thank you for that feedback, Kristen. I really appreciate it. Um, Kristen echoes a lot of the feedback that I've gotten, um, especially by email from a number of people sharing how important it is to kind of be real and honest when we're talking about the reality of practicing NFP in your marriage. And um, I think that that's something that as a church and as um, communities, we're getting better at. We're getting better at that kind of honesty, but it is, as I shared in that podcast episode, a tricky Balance between the honesty and being real, but also being aware of who you're talking to. You're going to say different things about NFP to somebody on the outside who's a naysayer, somebody who's um, rejecting church teaching on. Um, marriage and sex, um, you're going to talk to somebody like that very differently about NFP than you are to somebody who's inside the church that really wants to to live out God's plan for, for their marriage and their family and is struggling to do so. They really need to hear a very different message. So um, I, I also appreciate that you shared about the Creighton model, that I share your appreciation of it. We've definitely used that and are very familiar with it. And I, I like that you pointed out that it's a whole body method, that it takes into account the whole world. and this is what you know modern artificial forms of birth control fail to do like you know birth control pill or condom or whatever just sees like human body fertility equals problem and block it off fix it you know move on to the next thing whereas the creighton model and other uh, methods of nfp Really take the person as a whole and don't treat fertility as a problem to be solved. Um, But then it can be very helpful with other kinds of health issues that you might be having, whatever's going on in your life. And um, those who are practitioners, um, NAPRO technology practitioners, like real doctors who um, support NFP and are, um, you know, well researched and practiced in it can really help women to pinpoint what some of their issues are with regard to fertility or just, General health issues um, that a lot of times I find modern medicine <laughs> so many things that are wrong with women physically, whether it's a depression or anxiety or problems with their menstrual cycles or um, infertility, that we're, we're treated in like one big lump sum, and the birth control pill is the answer to all of it, or um, antidepressants is the answer to all of it. Like nobody's, and now I'm talking in general terms, in modern medicine, you know, the typical modern medicine that isn't um, NFP based nobody's hearing who we are and what we're saying and looking at us as a whole person and not really respecting the whole woman for who she is. Um, So, I really appreciate that and I'm glad you pointed that out, Kristen. Thanks so much for sharing your feedback. If you want to leave feedback like Kristen did, you can do it on Voxer. That's what Kristen used. It's a fun app. We can connect there and easily leave voice messages. It's like using a walkie-talkie. It's that simple. Pushing one button on your phone, you can leave me a voice message and I can send you a message back. If you want to connect with me on Voxer, the link to do so is in the show notes at daniellebean.com. Next up, I want to share some email feedback that I got from listener Andrea this week. Andrea says, Hi Danielle, I have a problem that I hope maybe you can help me with. My husband and I have four kids, ages eight, five, three, and 1, and my mother-in-law lives 20 minutes from our house. She is a pretty big part of our family life, and most of the time this is a good and helpful thing, but she does not share all of our Catholic values, and sometimes this causes me stress and anxiety. Specifically, she does not approve of us using NFP to plan our family, and she makes Little comments all the time about when we might be done with having kids and telling me that I can say no to my husband, her son, if I want to. I have tried everything from being direct, which is not my style, to dropping hints, to just ignoring her, and then to letting her know how much her comments bother me, but nothing seems to work. Our kids are her only grandkids, and she really does love them and is a great help to us in raising them and picking them up from places, etc. I don't want to push her away, but sometimes I find myself avoiding inviting her to some things because I just don't want to deal with it do you have any advice to offer Andrea well (laughs) speaking of NFP here it is um first of all, I'm really sorry, Andrea, that you're feeling that kind of um, discouragement in your relationship with your mother-in-law. It sounds like she's a loving grandma and a loving mother-in-law and that she loves your family and loves your kids, which ultimately I can see your issue here is the most ironic thing that she loves her grandkids and she loves your family and yet she's being critical of you for having them. (laughs) So doesn't quite add up and I understand the level of frustration that you must be feeling there. Um, But my first advice to you would be, um, first of all, recognize you're not the only person with this problem. This happens a lot. Um, You're not um, being singled out by God to suffer this particular cross. I hear from people all the time. Um, But then next, try to recognize how much your mother-in-law loves you. And that as hard as it is to see, because I know these are hurtful comments and it's embarrassing and it's awkward and you hate dealing with it, but just try to recognize that a lot of times when people make comments like that, especially people that are close family members that we expect support from, that it's coming from a place of love. Um, I've experienced this in my own life um, where people made unsupportive comments in ways that even surprised me. Uh, because I thought they would be fully supportive of our decision especially to have a large family or to have children that were closely spaced or whatnot but their hesitation honestly was coming from a place of love that they were worried about us they were worried about um, our our finances or about my stress levels or um, how we're going to manage to you know care for everybody or have space have enough bedrooms for them and you know as annoying as all of that is because honestly none of their business (laughs) and if you're having another baby or deciding to have another baby or you're thrilled with having many babies in a short number of years or whatever it is um, just I think recognizing that they're they're not seeing that in that moment that they're not seeing things clearly and the one perspective they're seeing is they they love you and they care about you and they love your kids and they love your family and they want what's best for you and they're thinking this is not it you know. As, as untrue as that might be. So kind of recognizing that it comes from a place of love can help your perspective a little bit. But then um, you didn't say very much about your husband's interaction. I mean, this is his mom, right? Um, and maybe he doesn't want to deal with conflict with his mom. Uh, but in-law relationships are so sticky and tricky and difficult and complex. And there's so many layers and so much, you know, potential for conflict that really, he should be talking to his mom. I mean, as much as possible, he should intervene on your behalf. That doesn't mean you're going to like call him up and have him come, you know, in the moment if it's just you and your mother-in-law and she, she made some other snarky comment that bothers you. But he can in a general sense, and, and for sure if he's there, he, he should be the one that's speaking up and saying like, hey mom, that that's rude. Or hey mom, we don't like it when you make those kinds of comments. Or hey mom, we love our kids and we're happy we have them and we hope to have more. Or whatever it is that's kind of the source of conflict there. Um, I, I think it really is much more your husband's place than yours. You should be focused on having super positive interactions with your mother-in-law, especially where she lives close and she's such a large part of sounds like your day-to-day living and, and being so helpful in so many ways. I, you know, it's, it's wonderful that you have that and that you recognize and appreciate that. I can I can hear that in your words. Um, but then, you know, outside of that, I, I would recommend that um, you be honest with her. And it sounds like you've done this a little bit but you say being direct isn't your style. And so maybe you're not being as direct as you think you are. But um, pointing it out in the moment, just, you know, having a a phrase or a sentence ready to go, like, if she says a comment that makes me uncomfortable, um, I'm going to say something along, it doesn't have to be rude, it doesn't have to be snarky, you know, something along the lines of, oh, it really bothers me that you make comments like that, you know, very honest, um, or it, it hurts my feelings when you make comments like that. It makes me feel like you you don't you don't um, appreciate your grandkids when you make comments like that. Or that's a really personal thing between me and my husband your son, <laughs> you could say his name, um, and I, I don't I don't feel comfortable talking with you about that, you know. I, I think just being direct like that, and then maybe, you know, you shared with me that sometimes you hesitate t- to include her in things because you're afraid she's going to make those comments, so in addition to pointing it out in the moment, responding that way, just not letting yourself get emotional and engage in it and stressed out and angry and whatever, but just calmly addressing it like that in the moment, but then in addition to that, maybe let her know, one of those times like you might you might hesitate to invite her you know some some time when your family's going to the park let's just say and um but then you do invite her and you you might it and it might not be an issue but if it is you might say to her you know what I, I was hesitating to call you today to invite you to be a part of this because I, I so dislike it when you make comments like that and I was afraid you would um That could really make her think because it sounds like she loves your family and she loves your kids and I'm sure she wants to continue being a part of that. Um, I wouldn't say it in a threatening way, but that's just being honest. That's just kind of letting her know what the consequences of her words and actions are. So, um, or, you know, maybe that's something that's more appropriate for your husband to say to her, like, you know, how much you love having her on these outings or joining you on activities or being a part of your family life, but comments like that make you hesitate about doing it. Um, very legitimate very fair you know Um, and then finally just set some reasonable boundaries it it may be that you will say um, you know on these kinds of activities I'm not going to invite my mother-in-law she's not going to be a part of that I don't want to deal with it Uh, you know um, whatever it is you know you know Um, but and then finally just um, this is a great opportunity to offer up I know, (laughs) I think I should do a whole show about offering it up because it's something, it's a concept I really struggle with too. And when we're suffering with something, it's really honestly the last thing we often want to hear and we just roll our eyes all the way into the back of our heads sometimes just being told to offer things up. But um, it's a very Catholic approach and um, something that I found that bears a lot of fruit in my life is if there's somebody in a personal relationship that's bugging me, that's annoying me with something, that my temptation is to pray to change that person and make it go away, you know. and of course that's what we want um, but I find that there's been a lot more fruit in my own spiritual life but also in my relationship with, with people um, that sometimes have that potential conflict if I pray for that person and if I offer up my frustrations inside that relationship for that person for that person's good. With your mother-in-law it might be that she might have a conversion of heart with regard to, you say she doesn't share your Catholic values, well with regard to her own relationship growing closer to God um, maybe ask God to take the the graces that you might earn from quietly offering up your discomfort and your your disappointment and discouragement inside of this relationship for her good for him drawing her closer to him Um, and even if that doesn't ever change what your mother-in-law does and says it will change your heart it will soften your heart toward her i promise you it has that effect it's it's hard to at first to pray those kinds of prayers but it can be extremely helpful too So that's what I have to share. Andrea, maybe you have something you'd like to say to Andrea or share some of your own experiences, what has worked with you in similar situations. Like I said, she's not alone. I know many of you out there have experienced similar situations. So if you have and you have some thoughts or advice to share some reflections or share your experience with us, uh, email me danielle at daniellebean.com or leave me some voice feedback. I'd love to be able to share it with Andrea and others on a future show. Now, I just want to mention um, the Patreon supporters of the Girlfriends podcast. I want to thank those of you who support the podcast through your pledges at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. For those of you who do pledge your support, you get an invitation to a monthly hangout video chat kind of session with me and others who support the podcast in that way. We just had one this past week and I got to hang out with my good friend Sam and oh my gosh, we had a blast talking about... um, The struggles and the triumphs and the suffering of managing kids' internet access and all of their devices trying to control that also some hilarious stories were shared about um, talking with kids about sex and pornography and those uncomfortable kinds of conversations that we must have with our teens and preteens and um, anyway it was really fun uh, connecting in that way and you can be a part of future video sessions of girlfriends live by pledging your support at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends a pledge in any amount will earn you an invitation to future sessions, or even if you're not interested in participating in Girlfriends Live, maybe you just enjoy what we do here at Girlfriends, and you simply want to contribute to the production of future episodes, you want me to continue um, to produce the episodes and encourage me in this work that I'm doing here at Girlfriends. If so, you can become a supporting member of Patreon to um, pledge your support per episode. As little as a dollar per episode makes a huge difference in my motivation and in my encouragement here. So thank you, all of you who do that. And if you'd like more information about it, you can go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash girlfriends. Thank you so much for your support. And finally, I want to thank you just for being here. I pray that all of your Easter celebrations will be filled with joy and blessings for all 50 days of Easter. Thank you for sharing this time with me week after week and for being a part of what I do here at Girlfriends. And until next time, I'm wishing you a blessed Easter. Girlfriends is a daniellebean.com production. Know your worth, find your joy.